You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into it, B. Let's talk about some of the big notes coming out of SEC Media Days. And of course, it started uh, with Greg Sankey uh, on day one, uh, kind of doing his uh, address. State of right. the SEC Union. Yeah, State of the SEC Union. And he he, he kind of he hit on some, some major topics. And one of the big things that he talked about was, of course, the talk that's almost been a, becoming a yearly thing is conference expansion. And with the Big Ten uh, recently announcing that USC and UCLA will be joining in 2024, uh, he was asked about if there were talks about the SEC possibly expanding uh, beyond 16 teams. And pretty much his response, uh, paraphrasing him, basically saying, we're not going to respond to what other conferences do. We're going mm-hmm. to do what we do. Now, I know that's a, I like the response, but you have to know that he's looking to expand and grow even stronger right. as a conference. But what are your thoughts on on the talk about conference expansion? And I believe it was asked if, there was going to be a push for Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC uh, sooner than 2025 when right. they're expected to join. And he kind of left it up to the schools to determine if they want to break away. But it looks like as of now, Oklahoma and Texas are going to uh, honor their agreement with the Big 12 and leave in 2025. Right. But what are your thoughts about Sankey's address, uh, particularly as it pertains to conference expansion? Treat your boys. Chill Boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys underwear will help you keep the boys close, uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. I like Greg Sankey. He talks with the confidence of a man who knows he has the best product. And he does, in fact, have the best product. The SEC runs college football. We are the reason that college football is worth watching. Even for, for all the hype about the Big Ten, I'm still a little confused as to how the Big Ten has a comparable television deal to the SEC because... If you tell me about four out of the 14 Big Ten teams are watchable, all right, um, maybe about eight of the 14 SEC teams are watchable. And since we've gotten some even better coaches into the conference, I mean, it makes those games even more competitive. I mean, ordinarily, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are runovers. For, for everybody else in the conference outside of the, the very, very weak teams. But as of right now, the only absolute pushovers are Vandy and Missouri. 
South Carolina is at the very least looking up. Tennessee took a 20-year hiatus. Let them tell it. We're a pushover, too. But, you know. We'll see. We beat Ole Miss. So, <laughs> and Arkansas. I, yeah, but you, 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 you know, understand that. Con- convenient uh, short memory on that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we have very few teams who you just, you hear their name and you're like, oh, well, I don't really care about that game. And the Big, Tw- the Big Ten has like, I don't know, like 10 teams like that. So I'm very confused how they got a better media or a comparable media rights deal to the SEC. I have no idea how that works. I know Ohio State is a very big draw. They're a very big draw in that region. But do they win anything? I mean, yeah. you, so you, you're beating up on Iowa and Purdue and Nebraska and uh, is Maryland in the Big Ten or am I making that? They're the in ACC? the Big Ten now. I say they, Maryland. They were, they were formerly of the, uh, of the, ACC. Of the ACC, but they're right. in the Big Ten. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay. Those aren't the only teams up there. Michigan had been good, but not as good as they should have been just up until last year. So they finally broke through. Then they got dusted once they got on the big stage. Illinois had been mostly terrible. Uh, Penn State, honestly, maybe a little overrated on a consistent basis because James Franklin had some hype coming out of Vanderbilt, but he had the one year where they beat Ohio State, and that was pretty much it. I think Penn State has been consistently overrated because of that one win against Ohio State, and they haven't done much since then. They haven't won their they division. Mean, they mean, they've been decent, but they're they're not the class of the Big Ten. I wouldn't consider right. them the class. By, by so who, who would we consider the class of the Big Ten then? Ohio State actu- actually recruits at an elite level, can pretty consistently wins their division and their conference, but doesn't hold up their end of the bargain on the big stage. Is there anybody else who, when you think the season's starting, maybe? Like, I, I would have said, no, it's just Ohio State until last year. And it's like, okay, well, Michigan finally broke through. Maybe they'll break through. Yeah. Maybe that's a one-off. I have no idea. And I am confused as to why their deal might be as valuable. So I like that Sankey said, ah, well, you know, we see what they did. Sankey sounds like a a mob boss who also doubles as a a politician during the day. And there's somebody's kind of like investigating him for running an underground racket. And he's like, oh, I mean, what are you you talking about? We're just doing business. I'm just I'm just glad to be here serving the people. He's like the kingpin. Except, well, the kingpin wasn't that gracious on the service. So that's that's a bad analogy. But we have the better product. We have the better product, and he knows it. So what is he going to say? Oh, we're not going to react to that. When he knows, he's probably already got like 75% of a deal worked out for the next team. Why would he have to tell us? We didn't know Oklahoma and Texas were about to jump. Did anybody see that coming? Those whispers started breaking like a day before. So he kept that pretty tight on the wraps. I, I don't see why he has to tip his hand at this point. I think everybody knows it's coming. And it... Honestly, I believe him when he says it's not based on what other people do. Because one thing he said that he likes better about our acquisitions was that they are within a geographical footprint that makes sense. The Southeastern Conference, if I map the entire United States, it is still the South and the East relative to the rest of the stuff out there in the West. Yeah, Texas is like dead smack in the middle down there. But this is all the the Southeastern portion of the country. Right. What's his name? Uh, Clemson maintains that. Any Florida team we were to add maintains that. North Carolina would maintain that. Um, another team in, in Tennessee would maintain that. Or any Texas team maintains that. There's no team that even kind of makes sense for us to add that wouldn't strengthen our geographical 
dominance or for for who we have and and where they are in the United States relative to other teams. So you don't have to fly 2,500 miles to play in the away game. And we're thinking about it for football, but those basketball teams have to play each other too. Yeah. And that's not just one one a season. So yeah, maybe right. one season Ohio right. State has to travel to LA and and UC, uh, USC has to travel to Penn State. But basketball season, the basketball team is going to be like flying back and forth to the Midwest and the East Coast. How does that make any sense? I get why it makes sense money-wise, but that makes no sense. So we have the better acquisitions as a conference. I like that he is holding Pat, (laughs) or he's talking like we're holding Pat, but we really know Greg Sankey already has these moves mapped out. And I am certain that we will hear about the next one. Maybe it'll take two years, or maybe right when Texas and Oklahoma are about 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 to break loose. They said that they'll stay. Through their deal, um, which um, well, I mean, who knows? With that that in mind, you know that that takes me into the other part because one of the other points that was made was the expansion of the college football playoff, and that was something that Greg Sankey really wanted to push. I think he right. wanted to go. I think he wanted to get away from the automatic qualifier uh, as conference champion because, as we've seen you have a conference champion in maybe the Big 12. Right. Or maybe even the Pac-12 if, if, if you know, it breaks right for them. Mm-hmm. But it's a weak opponent, right? right? We can think of teams from another Power 5 conference that may not have won their conference but would beat that Pac-12 or Big 12 school head-to-head. Right. And so do you think the moves with Sankey – potentially looking to expand because Big Ten is trying to keep up with the SEC. Right. The SEC is trying to squash (laughs) the competition to where you almost have a power three, power like three power conferences or two maybe. Yeah, really. Right? That will indeed eliminate this automatic qualifier because you're going to have to pull from multiple schools from these conferences to fill your college football playoff, given that you expand beyond four. Yeah. So what's the chess move here, in your opinion? Well, so I read that article. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Article that Mike G was talking about uh, a couple broadcasts ago, specifically about who said no to the expansion, why they said no to it, and why that made USC and, and UCLA jump ship. So apparently, Sankey and three other um, conference commissioners, because this is all 10 conference commissioners are actually involved because technically all 10 conferences are eligible for the playoff. Now, they don't really have a, a rest chance um, right. to actually get in, but technically they, they are eligible. So uh, Sankey and three other administrators said, hey, here's the plan. It's going to be eight. It will not be an automatic conference champion. Conference champions will not get an automatic bid. The reason they didn't want that and the reason he elocuted in the article I read was because what if you get a number 20 
Arizona playing a number six Oregon and Arizona wins. Now we got a number 20 team with an automatic qualifier and there is serious doubt that that is one of the eight best teams in the country. So he thinks that would lessen the value of the playoff if you let just any conference champion in. So instead what he wanted was you let in the highest, the six highest ranked conference champions so if Cincinnati wins this conference, and again, this is back to the group of 10, excuse me, the group of five getting to say, if Cincinnati wins this conference and they went undefeated, but Arizona in that situation lost four games, they're number 20, but they beat, you know, Oregon in the title game. Well, Cincinnati's going to get in and Arizona might be on the outside looking in. And that's just how it's going to be. Right. And so the Pac-12 commissioner who... This is the new guy. This is not the guy who sabotaged right. all their stuff with the deals. Their new guy said, uh, we don't really like that. And the A12 commissioner said no. I have to check. But the Pac-12 commissioner definitely said no to this. And Sankey said, huh, okay. They wanted automatic qualifiers. The Pac-12 commissioner said, no, we want whoever our conference, our conference champion is to get in the playoff. You're, you're referring to the alliance. Right. All right, all right, the alliance. <laughs> that was so Man, sneaky. the Big Ten. The Big Ten played checkers, chess with them, but go ahead. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> we laughed about the alliance as soon as it was announced, and that was even funnier. Um, but that's what he said no to. That's what the Pac-12 commissioner said no to. But because of that, they realized that there are billions of dollars at stake with the new playoff contract that is up to be renewed, I think, in twenty after 2024, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. something like that. I think so. And the biggest schools who wanted a bigger piece of the pie, USC, not necessarily UCLA, but USC was like, listen, man, why are you saying no to this? Why are we saying no to this? And there's even precedent for it. One precedent I read, the same article, was, was outlining how the Big East in football when West Virginia was part of the Big East, Louisville was part of the Big East, Rutgers was part of the Big East, all of these teams said no to the college football playoff. They said no to it. (laughs) Well, excuse me, this conference did. And that conference lasted about two more years before they just, the football teams, schools left, and the remaining teams don't play football. So everybody, we have a pattern here. Every time you say no to a playoff expansion and big money, the institutions who have football programs who think they can be competitive, they're going to say, you don't, you're not speaking for me. I'm, I'm out of here. So now the Pac-12 is in a situation where they almost have to accept whatever ball the SEC and Big Ten want to kick their way. Like, hey, if you don't want to get shut out of, of postseason altogether, you're going to accept this. But at this point, and Ike made this point on the previous broadcast, why would they even bother? They gave you a chance. Yeah. The SEC and Big Ten can basically go to a table and, and hash out the next 20 years of college football all by themselves. They don't need anybody else anymore because USC and UCLA are playing Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. And Alabama's going to be playing Oklahoma and Texas. And Georgia's going to be playing uh, Oklahoma. It's, they don't need anybody. If anybody yeah. else gets added to the SEC that is a big-name program, I don't I don't really know how the ACC stays afloat. The the ACC is a Clemson in Miami away from completely folding. Does does and and I've been hearing the Big 12 has been a suitor for this school, but it would almost make sense for this for them the ACC to get this school. What about Notre Dame? 
everything about Notre Dame it, makes sense in the Big Ten to me. It just does. Because for a few Big reasons. 10? The Big Ten. Because Michigan is one of their natural rivals. They're in the Big Ten. USC is one of their natural rivals. They're in the Big Ten. If they play Navy, that could be one of their out-of-conference games. Did they play? They play Purdue from time to time. Um, uh, their natural rivals are all in the Big Michigan Ten. Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. They, they, now, UC, now USC. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Geographically, they fit. They're right there in Indiana. I don't know why they wouldn't go there. The only reason they would go there is because they still think that they're a better product than they are. And they they might be, hey, you and me, Clemson, let's go ahead and make a stand and we can prop up the ACC. And don't get me wrong, it would work. It would work simply because enough people still think highly of Notre Dame and now think highly of Clemson and what Dabo has done. And I think Crystal Ball is right around the corner. I don't think Crystal Ball is going to let that program fail. They've already been snatching food out of people's mouths on the recruiting trail. Um, Saban's mouth, actually. We can get to that a little later, but that has already been happening. So maybe Miami and Clemson are going to hold it up. If you add Notre Dame, then that's enough to keep it afloat. Because the Big Ten is almost completely resting on Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Three notable teams is enough to keep it afloat. So if Notre Dame decides they want to go to the ACC permanently, I think that saves the ACC. But I don't think they should. I don't think that makes sense. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't run these things. So. <laughs> the only thing, you know, from what I was reading, the only thing that makes it tough for Notre Dame in the Big Ten is their TV contract. Right. And so the, I don't know leaving – Leaving NBC to go to go to the Big Ten, I don't know if that's where. I don't know if the Big Ten can accommodate Notre Dame, or well, even the SEC for that matter. So I, yeah. I, I would think they would look to go for a small pond type of conference that would give them everything that they would want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so that's that's the only problem. It makes sense for them to be in the Big Ten geographically, and as well as to to the, the points we already mentioned about their rivals, but. It'll be interesting to see what happens there because maybe they remain independent. Maybe this is a perfect scenario for Notre Dame to remain independent while you while the conferences begin to gobble each other up. Who knows? So I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't well, you know. know what? I'm thinking about it. Notre Dame is going to save wherever, who, whatever conference they decide to go to. They're going to either save them if it's the Big Twelve or ACC, or they're going to give them an undoubted advantage when it comes to media rights. And, and that right. would be the play. I think um, Mike was saying on, on another broadcast, the NBC deal doesn't pay Notre Dame more than what the new media rights contract would be right. for either the mm-hmm. SEC or the Big Ten. Those two deals are going to be enormous. I, I saw one estimation saying that it would produce $50 million per year per school compared to what is less than $10 million for some Pac-12 schools and ACC schools right now, there is a lot more money to be made. And whoever gets Notre Dame, if it's the ACC, then they, they can stay alive. If it's the Big Ten or SEC, then we're all going to get a lot more money in our pockets. So Yeah, um, for sure. It's, for a, lot sure. it's, a, big, it's a big pool. Enough yeah. about Notre Dame. Um <laughs> Enough Mike, about Mike will be swearing right now. Right. Let's talk about uh, Mike G. There's, there's a comment from, from Gabby. Uh, appreciate you hanging out with us, Gabby. How about Mike G with all the hard-hitting questions at SEC Media Days? 
He definitely yeah. has made his presence known at SEC Media Day. Shout out to Mike G. Um, I'm pretty sure he can't wait to fill us in on the experience. Let's talk about a question he he asked Nick Saban. Um, basically, does he does Nick Saban really miss Gus? <laughs> and of course, Nick Saban uh, kept it professional. Um, get, heaped a lot of praise on Gus Malzahn, but really didn't answer the question. Mm-hmm. But I started to think about this, B, mm-hmm. and I think it's very possible that he does. Okay, nah, I, I might agree, but you you tell he me don't. why. You nah, tell me tell don't. me why you think Nick Saban. No, nah, I don't think he does. Up. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I don't think he does actually. Um, huh. I, I think I think that when I when I look at what how tough Auburn has been to play in Auburn under right. Gus, right. Let's look at this. So I'm, I took, during Gus's tenure, mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa, Alabama won by an average score of 44-22. to 22. Auburn went 0-4 on the road against Tuscaloosa. During Over three Malzahn's touchdowns tenure. per game? Mm. Yeah. That's rough. Okay. However, in Auburn, mm-hmm. Auburn won, had a record of 3-1, and one, making it 3-5, and five, Right. right. Average score there is 30 to 29. Closer, but even under Gene Chizik. Now, we know, you know, it gets a little different. Saban wasn't coaching long during the Tubbleville era. Right. But under Chizik, Chizik went 0-1 and lost by, lost 42 to 14 at home against Saban. So, with Malzahn being Wait, he only had one game? 2012, yeah. 2010. Yeah, he had, he had, he had, I'm sorry, I repeat, I'm, I'm sorry, he had two games. Right, right, he had okay. the first game where he was really close. So, nevertheless, Chizik went 0-2 right. at home against right. uh, Nick Saban. Yeah. Malzahn had a better record. He did. And when I look at that, I got to give, I got to give Malzahn credit. He made it tough to play at Auburn. For Nick Saban, and he was a thorn in his side as a result. But what do you what do you think? What do you think about that question? Do you think Saban hmm. misses Gus? You know, first off, shout out to Mike G for getting Nick Saban to actually chuckle. He's usually a stone <laughs> fan. I mean, he's a little more, you know, very stoic. Very yeah, stoic. He's a little less stoic at media days because he knows he's not going to hear like team specific questions that he either can't or doesn't want to answer yet. But he he got him to actually laugh. Like that was a genuine laugh. And um, we know we know Mike G. We know Mike G's not scared at the moment, and we know not Mike G is going to say or ask whatever he wants to ask. So shout out to Mike G for creating that moment at SEC Media Days because we know nobody else was going to ask it. We know nobody else was going to ask that question. Um, right. That's number one. Now, if you ask me, does Nick Saban miss Gus Malzahn? Who knows? I would tell you that Gus beat Nick Saban three times out of four at home, which, like you just said, right? Somehow, we could beat Nick Saban in Alabama, but we could not beat LSU on the road in either year that we beat Nick Saban at home, 2017-2019. And LSU was, LSU was really good 2019. There's no, no shade on, on Gus right there. You can beat Saban, but you can't win the division. 
if you can't win the division, then how are you beating the best team in the division consistently at home? So uh, let's back it up. 2019, we won that game, but we lost three other games. We couldn't beat Florida. We couldn't beat LSU, which, again, no shame there. And uh, who was the other team we lost to in 2019? LSU, Florida. It had to be Georgia, right? Because we we never beat Georgia. uh, We lost to Georgia. Yeah. We lost to Georgia. So, um, you know, I... The consistency is is what a lot of people will point to with Gus. That was the issue. Hugh Freeze did this for a minute, too. He beat Bama in back-to-back years. He beat them at home. Yeah. Then he beat them the next year at, at their place. And But you can't win the division? Yeah. What, what, if you're good enough to beat the most talented team by a mile, but somehow you can't beat teams that are half as talented, or, you know, the same years. Florida wasn't a great team in 2019. They were a good team. Uh, Georgia wasn't a great team in 2019. They were a very good team. But they had issues all over the field. I mean, I think 2019 was the year that... Um, was that the year that Georgia got beat in a bowl game by, like, Texas or something? Was that that year? Ooh. And everybody thought Texas was back? Man, and then 2019 man. came, and, and Joe Burrow and then went to town in Texas and, and tore him up, and then it turns out Texas went yeah, back. Yeah, I think, I think you may be right. I think yeah. you may be right. Yeah. So Georgia wasn't as good as Bama that year, but we couldn't beat Georgia. As a matter of fact, I remember we had this very, very terrible game against Georgia at home. It was a low-scoring game. Uh, I think Bo kind of put together a comeback towards the end, <laughs> but at the end of the game, we needed Harold Jordan to like, catch a little short pass to convert and he missed the pass, or I don't know, somebody, it didn't connect. I, I appreciate Gus being able to, to summon what he was able to summon for those home Iron Bowls. Why could he not reproduce that week after week after week? To me, winning the Iron Bowl means nothing if our season ends on the same day every year, and especially if we go on to lose our bowl game. If we don't win a game after we win an Iron Bowl, it was not a successful season. Yeah. It was not a successful season. If we're winning the Iron Bowl 2017, but we're getting blown out in the SEC championship game, that's not a successful season. If we're winning the Iron Bowl in, in 2019, but we get beat by double digits by Minnesota, that was not a successful season. And not beaten by Minnesota when we were short of Derrick Brown, the best defensive tackle to come through here in the last 20 years. No. Our, our dogs played. Those were the realest dogs we had. Him and Marlon Davis. And they said, no, we're going to play in a bowl game. Still got beat. Handily. Their, their defense had us boxed in. To me, that's embarrassing. UCF beating us on the neutral field. That's embarrassing. So for whatever credit you want to give Gus Malzahn. Yeah, they're the national champion. <laughs> well, whatever credit you want to give uh, Gus Malzahn for the wins, and he does deserve it because, honestly, those were the best games he coached. The best games he coached were those Iron Bowls by far. I see why you believe that Gus Malzahn deserves to keep that job if you're only taking into account those Iron Bowl games. However, those are not the only games we played, man. Beating Alabama are not the only aspirations that we go into a season with 
I know a lot of Bama fans would tell you that we are their Super Bowl. No, no, no. I could care less if we beat Alabama, but don't do anything else that year. I would rather be in a situation like Alabama was in 2017. I would rather win them all, lose to Alabama, and then find a way to to get into a playoff and win a championship. I would prefer that. That Mm -hmm. championship would mean more to me than an Iron Bowl, I told you so, every time I'm up in Birmingham seeing my folks. So would I think that Nick Saban misses Gus Malzahn? Yeah, because I think now he knows that the coach that's there, it's not that he's going to be – I don't think Brian Harson is only going to be a great coach against Nick Saban. I think whatever coach Brian Harson is going to be, he's going to be that coach week in and week out. Now, right. that doesn't mean that he has the the quirks or the the genius that Gus possessed in Iron Bowls. That doesn't even mean he he has that. I do think we'll be a consistent product on the field. I do think we'll be a tougher team. That toughness is something that we've heard from players and coaches alike. People watching the program who report, you know, be mad. The strength and training is different. The attitude is different. I think we're improved top to bottom. Now, does that mean we're going to peak and save our best game for the Iron Bowl? I don't know. We'll see. I think we were a, a very uneven team last year, and the Bama game was the closest loss we had. Yeah. I, so maybe we are just going to play him extremely tough. What would be more impressive is if we won an Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. That seven to me, haven't done it since the comeback. Yeah, so that that would be the the notice. If we beat Georgia or Alabama at their spot, that's how you know this is a different program altogether. So no, I don't think Nick Saban misses Gus because he knew even if he lost to Gus, that didn't necessarily kill his championship chances, and Gus would complete the deal with the rest of the conference to keep him out of contention. So fair point, fair point. <laughs> 